Welcome to Sum It Up, an LSR7 podcast to uplift and center the stories impacting LSR7 students, staff, and its community. Today we're talking with three of our library media services team. So he had come in and he wanted a football book, and the only football book I had was a book called Dairy Queen. The impact they have, how they can help you pick the perfect book, plus more about the job that you might not know. I'm Talia Evans. I'm the Assistant Director of Public Relations. I'm Annie Nearman. I am the Library Media Specialist at Sunset Valley and Woodland Elementary. I am Amy Taylor, and I am the Coordinator of Library Media Services for Lee Summit. I'm Jennifer Coleman, and I am the Library Media Specialist at Lee Summit High School. Great. Thank you all for being here. Um, I'm going to start with something that's actually a little out of pocket. I was hoping that you could all tell me about your first memories of being in a library. I went to Trail Ridge Elementary, and I do remember going to the library, speaking with the library. The librarian would do a lesson with us, and I just have good memories of there was a tree in the Trail Ridge Library, and it was like a thing for a long time, and the art teacher, I think, helped make it, but yeah, it was just a fun place to go as a kid. I remember that about Trail Ridge. Um, so for me, I... I don't know that I have any like really specific memories um, from elementary school, but I know that I I, I always felt good and, and comfortable in there. Um, and recently, I was going back through boxes of things. You know, when your mom kicks you out of the house and is like, "You got to go through your boxes." So I was going through some of my boxes, and um, I found like a certificate for um, a, appreciation for returning all my books on time. And then I found another one for something about like the number of books I read that year. And it, they were both from the library. So I know that I was there quite often and felt really comfortable there. I went to Pleasantly Elementary and I do remember the library. I remember it being fun because it was something different that we got to do, you know, go look for books. I can't say that I have a lot of other memories of libraries. Um, I do remember, I also went to Lee Summit High School, and I remember what the library looked like when I was in high school, and it looks a lot different now. So you were mentioning earlier, the theme this year is everyone belongs at LSR 7 libraries. And so what does that mean to you personally as you go about your job? As the coordinator of the department, it was, it was something that kind of came about through collaboration with all the other librarians. And there was some conversation about, you know, perceptions of librarians and what we what our roles really are and what we really do and that kind of thing and through all of those conversations we kind of kept coming back to the we belong piece and so I spent a lot of time this summer really kind of investigating how what I thought that meant for me and it really comes down to this idea and it's something that I kind of started pondering last year too for somebody to come and ask you for help there's a vulner vulnerability to that. There's a, um, can I trust that they're not going to roll their eyes at me? Can I trust that they're going to really help me? Um, can I trust that they're going to do something as, as opposed to push me off on somebody else? And, and libraries are all about helping people. Like that's our entire purpose. That's our entire goal. And in order to do that, people have to feel like they can. And I know that the, the epitome of that is that they have to feel comfortable and they have to feel to feel comfortable, they have to feel like they belong. And so it's it's something, honestly, that our library has been, have been doing forever. It's not, this isn't necessarily a new concept. It's just something that we're kind of refocusing on this year. So it's all about just trying to make people feel comfortable and like they have a place and a space there so that they'll seek us out for help. Yeah, and Jennifer and Annie, as you plan out your years, um, how do you take that 
into heart, into mind, into your planning process? Yeah, I mean, for us, um, I think we try to think about programming that involves as many students as possible. We try to think about creating spaces in our libraries that are welcoming um, and so that students want to come and spend time there. We try to focus on our kind of customer service, I guess, um, in that how we greet students, how we um, treat them, talk to them, and how we want them to feel when they come into our space. Yeah, and at the elementary level, I would say that um, all of those things apply. It just looks a little bit different when you're talking about the elementary students versus the secondary students. Um, but I would say one of my favorite parts of my job is when kids come to the library and they're looking to just find a good book to check out that they want to enjoy. Um, so that's a, a really big part of my day where I get to spend just like, well, what kind of books do you like? And what's a book that you've read that you've enjoyed? And just to try to see each kid where as an individual and figure out what their individual, I guess, interests are. Um, and then another thing that I enjoy doing is um, talking about kids or talking about books with kids um, in terms of like purchasing books for the library. And so sometimes they'll come to me and they'll be like, we need a book about this basketball star. And I've never heard of the person in my life, but the kids do. And they're so excited when that book comes in and I want to be the first one to check it out. And so I really, um, I love that part of my job too. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception about your job? So I work in a high school and I feel like think, when people talk about librarians and think about librarians, they think about like quiet spaces. Our library is rarely quiet. There's always activities going on. Um, lots of students in and out every day. We rarely have a lot of just silent time. There's not that happening. Um, I think people think that librarians read all day or read a lot of their day, and that's not true at all. Um, all of the reading that I do, and I'm, I know all my fellow librarians are the same way, are at home. I mean, we read on our own so that we can keep up with what the students are reading and make sure that we have plenty of recommendations to give them. But while we are at school, we are teaching classes mostly. Um, we are talking to students, like Annie said, about um, what they like to read and trying to build our collections for them so that they have lots of good options of things to read. We're trying to build a culture of reading in our buildings. Um, we are trying to, you know, encourage students to get involved in library activities. Yeah, that all we do is check out books. Like that's, that's right. just, that's it. Um, but there's just so much more to it. Um, I think too, that there's, there's, um, this perception that like buying books and, and building your collection is pretty, um, it just kind of happens. Like there's not any real work or thought behind it. And there's a lot of thought and work that goes behind collection development, um, and curation of a, of a collection. And so, yeah, I think that some people probably don't. I mean, it, it seems like you're just you just get to go buy stuff, right? How fun is that? Which it is fun, but there's a lot of thought and process to it that I don't know that everybody really quite understands. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think um, a lot of people might not understand like how much teaching is really happening in the library. Um, that we're not just checking books out. We are, and um, we're not just shelving books. We are, but um, there's a lot of um, collaboration that goes and you know with with the teachers, um, just kind of that behind the scenes work too. And then um, a lot of teaching, just classes coming in and um, working with students. We do at the elementary level. We do a lot of support, um, usually more in the springtime, but um, with research 
you know, as um, kids are learning how to conduct research, how we don't want to just go out and Google things and using those databases, um, those trusted sources, um, collaborating with teachers on how that's going to look for even our, our, our littlest of, you know, our first graders, what what resources are we going to provide to them for them doing their, their projects and whatnot. And I know at the secondary level, they do a lot of that as well. Uh, at the high schools, middle schools and high schools, we do a lot of um, work with students on research, on evaluating sources. Um, we do a lot of media literacy lessons, how students can find, like Annie said, the trusted sources. How do we evaluate those sources for, you know, relevance and accuracy and bias and all of those things? Um, so we work with our students a lot on that. And, you know, that's becoming increasingly difficult because they have so much access to so much information out there. And it's really hard sometimes to kind of sift and sort through all of that um, information and some of that may not even be at all accurate, um, relevant or, you know, useful. And so that's, we spend a lot of time with the students and now, of course, with the emergence of all of the AI um, that's out there, that's something that we're really starting to talk with students about as well. Amy, could you talk a little bit more about that, like using AI as a tool and how you're yeah, communicating that so to students? So over the summer, actually, our, our department began working with the instructional technology specialist to kind of um, discuss, you know, what our philosophy would be and how we would approach it. Um, and we wrote some guidelines with with them um, and are preparing to do some PD with our with our teachers on it. Uh, and really, the focus is is kind of AI is is not going away. It's it, That is a reality of the world that we live in and the world that our kids are going to be growing up in. Um, and the idea is how can we teach kids how to use it as a tool um, as opposed to use it as a replacement for their own thought. And so um, that's really kind of where our guidelines lie is how can, what can we do to make sure that students are using it effectively and efficiently, um, but they're not using it as something to kind of replace their own thought. So there's uh, some pointers in there for teachers in terms of different ways that they can approach that, but also uh, uh, for kids in terms of how do how do they approach that. Uh, one of the big things too is the citation of it, and huge part of the. Um, the instruction that secondary librarians give especially is on plagiarism and citation and that kind of thing. And how does that look when it comes to AI? Uh, there's, I think there's going to be a change in terms of when you're doing research, it's not your final product isn't just going to be the paper or the presentation or the science fair kind of project. It's going to have an additional part where it's going to be an explanation of how did I come to that conclusion? Um, what resources did I use? How did I, if I used AI, how did I use AI? There's going to be a, a lot of that kind of taking place. I mean, it's just part of our world. It's part of our reality. We're going to have to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Right. And also part of our reality back to those reliable sources and everything that you guys are teaching all the time. You guys have um, some tools that are available to you as well that are they're public facing. They're on our website. But can you talk a little bit about like the different um, softwares and programs that you guys are using and teaching to the kids as they go and do their research? Sure. So one of the tools that we have is uh, it's called Noodle Tools and it's a research management tool. It's 
um, used primarily at the secondary level, and it's a way for students to store their sources. Yeah, I mean, at the high school level, we um, offer our students a variety of databases that they can use for research, um, and they can be general databases or they can be subject-specific databases. Um, so we do point the, the students in that direction. Now, we understand that students will use the free web sometimes to do research, and we talk a lot about, you know, how do you identify if something on the free web is a credible source? So we do spend a lot of time with that. Um, we also have the benefit of using Midcontinent's um, resources as well, because all of our students have access to Midcontinent databases, and they have a wealth of information that's even beyond what we have and what we can offer them in the district. And so, um, especially when we're talking to some students who have really specific needs for research, um, I'm thinking like our IB business class, for example. Yeah, and at the elementary level, we partner, obviously, with Midcontinent as well, um, and our kids... Um, utilize their resources. Um, we take them out to the Midcontinent websites. Um, but then we also have some LSR7 provided uh, resources that we use. One of the ones that kind of our primary teachers use would be PebbleGo, um, which has a lot of really great animals. Um, it reads it to them. Um, it, then there's kind of the add-on of PebbleGo Next, which is more for kind of our um, third, fourth, fifth graders that has a lot of history, a lot of science. Um, sometimes teachers even just use those resources for their um, instruction. Um, I want to bring it a little bit broader again. By the end of the school year, when you reflect back every year, what is the thing that you hope every May that you got through to the students that you interact with every day? At the end of the day, that they they know that we cared about them, that they felt good in the library. And they remember, you know, my third grade year was the year that I got to come to the library and this was my favorite part. And then now I'm looking forward to fourth grade coming back and I'm going to go back to like just just to have that like it made me feel good. It was a happy place for me to be. Um, I felt like she cared about me. That's what I, I really at the, at the end of the year hope that we can accomplish for our kids. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say for us. Um, I think we want students to know that the library is a place where they can go to get help. They can get questions answered. Um, they can find people that can at least point them in the right direction of something that they might need to know, to find, to do. Um, I hope that also equals um, they know that we can support them in finding something great to read, um, that we do focus on, kind of like Annie said earlier, like the individual, what do you like, what interests you, and we want to help students find something that they will enjoy. At the end of the year, we just want them to know it's a place where they can come, feel comfortable, get answers, and have people around that can help them. Yeah, so there's a, a quote by Maya Angelou, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something about like... Um, People will forget what you what you said to them, but they'll they'll remember how you made them feel. And so I think that's kind of the whole point is that we want them to feel like they can come back and and use our services, and that that will be helpful to them. Um, it, something that Jennifer said reminded me years ago. Well, several years ago, we did a we used to do these exit interviews with some of our seniors. We had asked, "What are five pieces of advice you would give freshmen coming in?" And she said. Um, I wish I had I wish I had gone to my librarians more for help. I was always nervous and a little scared when I was a freshman. Um, but by my junior year, I knew better and and I got so much help from them 
that I wish I would have gone to them sooner, that she wished she would have felt more comfortable sooner. And so that's kind of the goal is like, how can we make them feel comfortable day one? And I feel at the high school, sometimes you're teaching a lesson and a student doesn't see how it applies right now. They don't see how it could be useful right now. And then a month later, they're like, wait a second. I remember that we talked about that, but I don't remember all the details. So hopefully they feel like they can come back. And, you know, the good news for us is that we have them for four years and we can kind of build upon those lessons. And hopefully by the time they leave high school, they have a, you know, a skill set that will be useful for them in college or in the workplace or wherever it is that they choose to go. And that's kind of our goals is to build over four years, you know, the skills that they're going to need to be able to go out and navigate about all that information that's in the world. Just in case there's a parent listening who wants to know how to get their kid to read a book. <laughs> How do I get my kid to read more? We talk a lot about choice, how reading level comes partially into play, um, but but choice, like, is it a book that I'm going to be interested in? Because I'm more likely to try a slightly harder book if I'm interested in that topic. Um, or maybe I'm really enjoying a topic, um, but I want to pick up a book that's a little bit easier, and that's okay, too. Um, one thing that... Um, gets brought up at the elementary level a lot are graphic novels <laughs> or quote unquote comic books. Um, but um, they are real books. <laughs> they, they do have words and they have pictures and kids can read them and they really enjoy them. But it's really like, what is interesting to you? And then where can we, what book can we find that's going to meet that need? Yeah. And you know, when students become teenagers, there's so much competition for their attention between phones and friends and all of the activities that they're involved in, it makes it really hard to, to say like, well, I'm going to choose reading today. Mm -hmm. um, now, some of our students are just readers, you know, and that's what they enjoy. That's their hobby. But for non-readers, for kids who don't love reading, um, we do the same thing. They say, oh, I don't like to read. Well, because you haven't found the right book that speaks to you yet. And once you find that book, you'll realize that you do enjoy reading if it's the right topic. And then once you find, I feel like once a kid finds that book, that they're like, oh man, I really enjoyed that. Then now they know what they're looking for and we can connect them to more books. So it's just, I feel like we spend a lot of time at the high school trying to get kids matched up with books that we think they'll enjoy so that they can then be inspired to launch off to another book, whether it's the same author or the same genre. You know, I personally, and this is kind of funny, but I was not a reader in high school myself. Um, I didn't actually start reading for pleasure until I was in college. Um, I happened to be on a study abroad and I had a lot of time traveling to read and then it just never stopped from there. And so I know it's just, you just have to connect that one time and it makes a huge difference. And so that's what we try to do with our high school students. And hopefully we're reaching, you know, lots and lots of them yeah. eventually, but you know, we just keep trying. I mean, we just keep trying every year, every student, we just keep trying and hopefully they will, you know, find something that really gets them uh, excited about reading. Yeah, I would, I would say to kind of trying to remove barriers. So if they want to reread something, let them reread something. Um, during the pandemic, I, you know, I have a, a daughter who was a sophomore in college at the time, and she reread, I think it was all the Percy Jackson. And then she started rereading other things from, you know, from her middle school and high school life. And it was 
it was that comfort. It, it, we were looking for nostalgia mm-hmm. and comfort during COVID, right? And so you, you just you take that rule off that you can't reread. Why can't you reread? Reread if you want. Um, the rule of like you have to finish the book. No, you don't. If you get into the book and you don't like the book, you don't have to finish the book. You can be three quarters of the way through and decide you don't want to finish the book. Um, that's one of the things I think high school students do oftentimes is they'll grab a book and they think they have to finish it. And so they'll pretend read it in class and then it'll just stay in their you know, in their backpack for the entirety of the year. And it's bring the book back and turn it in and let's find something else. And And it doesn't matter if we do that 20 times. There's not any rule about that. Um, listening to a book. Audiobooks are real books too, just like graphic <laughs> novels mm-hmm. are. Um, so listening to a book isn't cheating. So I think just kind of trying to remove those barriers. You know, I have a daughter with ADHD. She listens to pretty much all of the books that she reads, but she devours books and loves them. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, removing barriers for kids too. Yeah, to add to what Amy said, this these first few weeks of school, um, all of our students, all of our English classes come in to get book talks and book recommendations. And we talk about kind of our library philosophy. And that's one of the things that we talk about is, um, you know, you're you're choosing a book for yourself. So yes, of course, if, if there's some reason you don't want to finish this book, it's okay. There's no judgment. And we talk about a judgment-free zone. Um, you should feel free to check out a book that you want to read, and nobody's going to judge you for checking out this book about this topic, nor are we going to judge you for returning it early. If you decide you don't want to finish it, that's okay. Come back and get something you think you'll like better. And for us, you know, I may not have the same interests as my students do in reading, so we always talk to them about get a recommendation from a friend. If you see them reading something, ask them how they like it, and that's a great way to get, you know, your next idea for something to read. So, yeah, removing barriers, talking about um, just kind of everybody being able to read and choose what they want is a lot of what we try to, you know, encourage them to do. Years and years ago, we had this football player, and he was a big, you know, big guy, star football player. And he had come in to check out a book, and um, he wanted something about football. And all of our fo- sports books are always checked out in mm-hmm. the at the True. high school. Is That's True at yeah. the elementary? Yes. Yeah. Like I said, basketball players I've never heard of that kids yeah. bring to me and they want. <laughs> so he had come in and he wanted a football book. And the only football book I had was a book called Dairy Queen. And it was about a girl who wanted to be a quarterback. And so, um, and it was like, it had a cow on the front with a tiara and it was like light blue and pink. And, um, and I was like, I don't know if he's going to be comfortable carrying around this book, you know? <laughs> And he was like, no, I'll take it. And that book, as soon as he was done with it, other other players, other kids wanted, there was a certain kind of peer pressure that got released, right? That idea that um, there might have been a stigma attached to, you know, this football player reading this kind of book, but that it was removed because he carried it around confidently and um, I loved that. I thought yeah. that was great. So. The other thing that my, our students love is that there are so many books that have been turned into series, um, TV series or movies. So, you know, they always love to hear that, you know, their favorite show that they've watched on TV and they had no idea it was a book. I'm like, no, you guys, this was a book first. In fact, most of the great things that you probably watch were books before they were the show that you love <laughs> to watch. So, you know, and then they start to rethink you know, oh, okay, well, maybe I would read that. Mm-hmm. And Annie, you probably have like a lot of 
character books that are that use characters from kids favorite shows as well that gets them kind of into reading as well right um and i think sometimes too that helps the kids to read the book if they have that background knowledge that schema like i've watched the show and so i know about the characters and so if i want to pick up the book even if it's a little bit too hard for me um I can still kind of understand what's happening because I've seen the show or I've watched the movie. Does anybody have anything else they want to offer for the good of the podcast or anything that you thought I would bring up that you didn't get a chance to talk about? I mean, I think the only thing that we had kind of talked, my secondary crew had kind of talked about how we make sure that everyone feels like they belong. It's not just about offering help, which is nice. It's not just about clubs, but sometimes it's just about the small things. You know, we have librarians who volunteered to be a chess club sponsor, not because they love chess, but because they want students to come to the library and feel comfortable there. We have offer spaces for our um, students who are um, observing Ramadan. We provide places for them to to sit in the library if they're fasting. It's just the small little things that um, I think encourages people to connect with their libraries beyond the things that are obvious to everyone, um, you know, out there. Uh, so I think that we try to make these spaces safe and comfortable for people in a variety of ways. I mean, the bookmobile is something that we do in the summertime, and that doesn't have anything to do with our personal libraries, but it's, it's a way to connect to the community, and it's a way to um, for our students to see our faces outside of their, our school buildings so that they think, oh, I know her, I know him. I mean, they work in my school, you know? And so I think it's some of those other kind of small things that uh, collectively, hopefully, create those spaces that people feel comfortable in. I love that. Um, Jennifer and Annie and Amy, <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for listening to Sum It Up, an LSR7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. It's a great day to be in Lee Summit. Catch you next time.